What do you make of DeSantis' response there? Well, like, look, I still don't think he answered it, right? He lost. Well, we all know that as a matter of law, he lost the election, yeah. right? The, the deeper question, and the one that I think he's dodging, is do you believe it was a full and fair election? Mm. That's really the question. And with respect to the interviewer, I think she let him off the hook. I mean, in the end, did he lose? Of course he lost. And I believe he lost because he lost in a full and fair election. There's a lot of Republicans, I think the majority of Republicans in the country do not believe it was a free and fair election. Yeah, well, I think that shows you the impact that Donald Trump has had um, on a lot of people. And that impact started on election night, Anderson. Because when he came out there that night at 2.30 in the morning and said, you know, um, we won the election, it's being stolen, uh, people assume that the President of the United States knows things they don't know. Mm. And, and if you're also inclined to be supportive, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then that stuff has just, you know, seeped in. He has said any number of times, to me both personally and I've heard him say to others, you say something enough times, it right. becomes true. And that is clearly his philosophy on everything he's doing right now um, to the American people. And I know in your book you wrote about that moment as being the key moment for you that you were like, all right, enough. Yep. Um, we see how the former president behaving, the rhetoric against the judge, the prosecution, even Mike Pence. Is this just free speech or more? Look, I mean, I think the judge will decide that ultimately. To me, though, there are always limits on free speech. I mean, this is the classic, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. I mean, there are limits on free speech. And by the way, when you're a criminal defendant out on bail, and let's focus on that, he is now out on bail in three different jurisdictions, New York, Florida, and Washington, D.C. We have a frontrunner in this race who's out on bail in three jurisdictions. It's pretty incredible. And and when you... when what happens, though, when you're let out is that there are restrictions placed on you for you to stay out. And one of the restrictions that was placed on him was no contact or intimidation of potential witnesses. He's saying, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. His lawyers are now saying that post was not, that was generalized political speech, not directed at anyone. Well, of course, that's what they're going to say. Because what they really feel like saying is, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that again. That, you think that's what they said yes, privately the, to privately. Their lawyers are like, want to jump out the window mm. having to defend some of this stuff. And, and here's the bottom line on it, is that let's put aside if it's legal or illegal for a second. Is this the kind of conduct that the Republican Party or the American people want from someone who's going to be president? To, to, to send out tweets or, or posts, whatever they are, that he sends on True Social, saying this kind of stuff, um, threatening uh, people, uh, in trying to intimidate Mike Pence, trying to intimidate the judge. Um, you know, Mike Pence, as we know, this is he just falls in the line of Rex Tillerson and, and, and Jeff Sessions and Bill Barr and uh, all these folks who were, were the best people ever when he hired them. Right. And then as soon as they say something that's... And extraordinarily loyal also to him. Yes. And as soon as they disagree with him, then they become the worst people on earth. The things he wrote about Mike Pence, look, I'm running against Mike. I want to make sure I beat him and I become the Republican nominee. But he doesn't deserve that. And he doesn't deserve those comments. The former president's lawyer, a new lawyer, John Loro, is defending the president's actions, obviously. He says uh, a technical violation of the Constitution is not a violation of criminal law. Does that make sense to you? Um, you know, no. And he admits that the president violated his oath. Think about that. The president of the United States promises to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. His own lawyer has admitted he violated the Constitution. I want to play something he 
told Laura Ingram on Fox last week. What President Trump said is, let's go with option D. Let's just halt, let's just pause the voting and allow the state legislatures to take one last look and make a determination as to the as to whether or not the elections yeah. were handled fairly. That's constitutional law. That's not an issue of, of criminal activity. Did he admit uh, the president committed a crime? I mean, because the president is charged with corrupt obstruction of an official proceeding. Right. He did. And, and let me say what else he did. You know, he, he's opposite of what the evidence is. Mike Pence has been very clear about this. He said the president didn't ask him to halt or pause. He said that he was asked by the president to reverse it, right. to reverse the result. And that's what Mike Pence is going to testify to. I suspect that's what he's already testified to in the grand jury. We don't know for sure because those matters are secret, but I suspect he hasn't said anything different to the grand jury. Do you think Mark Meadows is going to testify? Oh, I've said all along, I think Mark Meadows is already a cooperating witness. Um, he has all the looks of a cooperating witness running into coffee shops away from the press. And he's disappeared in the indictment. I mean, he's referenced once or twice. Right. But So when you didn't see Mark Meadows as an unindicted co-conspirator and you see absolutely no mention of him at all. How devastating do you think his testimony could be? It could be the worst testimony for him outside of the family members because Mark Meadows was with him constantly during and that And involved in all of it, in Georgia, in the electors. He was a very um, involved chief of staff, in my experience. He was he made sure he was in every meeting and every conversation. So, and, and we remember, there are hundreds of text messages mm. that he turned over to the special counsel that he kept. And many more that he kept. Yeah. The, the, the former president is saying he's going to ask the judge to be reassigned or recused, says he can't get a fair trial in D.C. Is any of that legitimate? They're not going to move the trial. I mean, there's no, there's nothing he's shown. He's saying because she was appointed by Obama, um, and she's been tough on January 6th defendants, that that makes her, you know, biased. I, he's got to show something better than that to get a judge disqualified, and to get the venue moved. I don't know what the argument is. I don't like the jury pool, so I'm going to get the venue moved. I, that's not a basis for moving venue. Do you think the public has a right to see? I mean, do you think there should be cameras in the court in this? I've always thought there should be cameras in federal court. Um, I, I've thought that if we have in state court, we should have in federal court. I understand that there are times when people are performing for the cameras, but I think for the American people to see, because I think, Anderson, the justice system works extraordinarily well in this country in the main. And I think the more we take the veil away from it on the federal side as well, and people get to see mm. the rights of defendants being acquitted, juries really considering all the evidence, deliberating, and then ultimately a verdict being rendered, I think that give more confidence in the system, not less. In terms of, uh, you, you know, I don't know if you saw it, uh, former uh, Attorney General Bill Barr told Kaylin Collins last week that the DOJ case is legitimate. The former president, quote, should not be anywhere near the Oval Office. The same interview, he didn't rule out voting for the former president in a one-on-one -on -one matchup against Biden. What do you, does that make sense to you? Well, I... You I know, understand he's not a entirely, loyal Republican. Not entirely. And I think that this is something that people have been avoiding. Um, as you know, a lot of people, some were in the race, some were outside the race, in talking about this. And I think part of it is because there's real serious discontent with President Biden, sure. concerns about his age and his health and all the rest of that. So I think that's why some people do it that way. But I do think that Bill Barr, to be fair to him, has been as clear as any former member of his cabinet 
on the things that he said about the president, yeah. how the president conducted himself, and how he his critique believe. has been devastating. Yes, and and so I think I think look if if Bill wants to take that position, I think we need to give him a pass on that one because in the end, he has put forward substantive facts as to why Donald Trump shouldn't be president again. This new CBS News YouGov poll, 91% of MAGA Republicans and 83% of non-MAGA Republicans think the indictments and investigation against Trump are trying to stop his campaign. The argument you've been making consistently, and especially now, I mean, are you worried that it's not... I mean, how do you make traction with those voters? Because the, the, the argument to those voters is these are two separate questions. People are discontent with what they've seen Anderson out of DOJ. Um, and, and I can't say I blame them in terms of what happened with Hillary Clinton, or rather did not happen, and what they see now with the Hunter Biden plea being rejected, seemingly because the judge thought it was an unfair plea deal that favored Hunter Biden. If you're a Republican, you say to yourself, this looks, this looks fishy. So I think that's where those numbers come from. The separate question is, regardless of that, regardless if you think that his prosecutions are politically motivated or not, there's very little argument about the conduct, mm -hmm. the underlying conduct that led to it. Inviting people to, to Washington on January 6th saying it's going to be wild. Telling them the election is stolen when it isn't. Urging them to march up to Capitol Hill and saying, you know, I'll go up there with you. I knew listening to that he would never go. If Donald Trump's worried about breaking a fingernail, he doesn't go, let alone be in danger with people who are being violent. Then he goes back to the White House and watches people commit violent acts at the U.S. Capitol and does nothing. If you're not morally responsible then for what happened on January 6th, having done that, forget legally. Mm. Is that the kind of person you want behind the desk in the Oval Office? Whether you believe he should go to jail or not, whether you believe it's criminal or not, is that the bar now for being president of the United States? Well, not only he may have committed a crime, but we think it might be politically motivated. That's why I say put that stuff aside and look at the conduct. Look at the conduct in that case. Look at the conduct in the, in the documents case where he was asked for 18 months quietly, privately yeah. to give them back. He didn't. And look at, look at the conduct even in the Stormy Daniels case, which I believe is a ridiculous prosecution to have been brought. But do we really want a president who's paying off a porn star during an election to hide the fact that he had an affair with her while he was married. Mm. Like, that shouldn't probably be the standard for what we want behind the Oval Office. So that's my argument, and that's why those numbers don't worry me nearly as much as you suspect they might. 